The next hour will inform you on how cybersecurity is one of the most significant threats to our national security, as well as the battle that cybersecurity experts are undergoing every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Welcome to Task Force 7 Radio with your host, the president and CEO of Task Force 7 Radio and Task Force 7 Technologies, George Reedus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 193 of Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. I'm your host, George Reedus. I want to emphasize that all the opinions expressed to the show are my own and not my present or past employers. I would never disclose any sensitive intelligence that have been privileged to a result of my current employment, and I would never knowing disclose any classified information related to any security clearances I presently hold or have held in the past with the United States government, and nothing I say during this show should be construed as legal or financial advice. Before we get started, I remind our listeners that you can go online to the Cybersecurity Hub and read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at their very cool website, www.cshub.com. The Cybersecurity Hub is an online news source for global cybersecurity professionals and business leaders who leverage technology and services to secure their networks. The media professionals at the Cybersecurity Hub are dedicated to providing the latest interesting news, thought leadership, and analysis in the cybersecurity space. So again, and check out a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news. Go to the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. So we got another great show for you this evening. Uh, we had a couple of weeks off and we're back at it. We got the CEO of Imagine Security, David Sokol, is going to be with us this evening. David founded Imagine Security in 2002. So he's been a successful entrepreneur for over 19 years. So he's going to have a lot of interesting thoughts uh, and uh, things to say tonight. I'm excited to have him. Prior to Imagine Security, David built and managed the West Coast Operations for Global Integrity Predictive System and the Northern California Security Consulting Practice for Arthur Anderson. So Imagine Security was founded to provide executive-level security consulting services to Fortune 100 companies, enabling a secure work environment with reduced risk. As the president and CEO of Imagine Security, David provides executive advising services to Fortune 100 CSOs, guiding them through challenges in information security and compliance issues. Imagine Security's commercial clients cover a wide range of global organizations, including the financial energy, healthcare, high-tech, manufacturing, and insurance industries. David has over 25 years of experience in numerous security engineering disciplines, including corporate information security, compliance program design, architectural design, application and platform controls, penetration testing, and network and physical security. David has managed and designed cutting-edge security programs and services and has developed enhanced security architectures for numerous enterprise commercial corporations, the Air Force, the Navy, and so on and so forth. Imagine Security has helped many enterprise corporations establish robust security infrastructures and compliance and security strategies. So it's time to welcome David to the show. Welcome, the CEO of Imagine Security, Mr. David Sokol. Dave, what's going on, brother? Thank you, George. It's a pleasure to be here. I was really happy to hear when you invited me on the show. I'd love to come on and just share all kinds of information with your audience. I'm looking forward to it. This is great. Thank you. Hey, it's great to have you. Uh, we're excited that you came on the show with us this evening. We got a lot to talk about. I want to talk about first on this first segment, you know, what's on a CISO's mind and what's next in, in the, the next generation of the CISO? Because I see so many things going on in this industry, and it just seems like the lifespan of a CISO is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. How has the role 
of the CISO been changing over the last few years? Let's sort of benchmark the conversation so that we could just figure out where we are and then go on from there. Absolutely. I'm, I think it's really interesting because a lot of people talk about the CISO being the best and the worst job you can possibly have in your career. Um, being a CISO comes with all kinds of responsibilities. You have to be working up with at the board level these days. You got to be down in the trenches with the teams. You got to be reactionary to all the issues that are coming down, vulnerabilities, risks, um, compliance requirements. It's all over the place. And, and what's really interesting and, and what I've been working with a lot of CISOs on lately is making sure that they can teleport up or down to the right level for the job that they need to perform at a given moment in time. Um, one of the things that really surprised me uh, when I started working with CISOs you know, over 20 years ago is that they really were technically trained back then. And when you put them in front of a board, when you took them in front of the, the C-suite, uh, had to talk with the CEO of an organization, all of a sudden, they started still talking technically to them. They didn't understand that they needed to bring things back up to a business perspective. And so they would end up walking out of those meetings going, wow, that was a lot of fun. That was great. I really uh, got FaceTime. But they didn't actually help the business progress forward. So today, what we're seeing is the trend is almost a division of the CISO role, one that is more like a chief security officer that starts working up, working in the boardrooms, working with the C-suite, and a CISO that becomes more of a technical role, so they're working a little bit more down, making sure all these security operations within the business are uh, being taken care of. So we really have to see now the next gen of uh, security professionals who are going to be our leaders be more business trained. They have to come in with that background uh, where they can talk numbers, where they can talk value to the business, where they can talk uh, to the, the, the business executives about risks and quantify things for them in a way that they can get things funded and move forward. David, what's more important in your mind, the ability for the CISO to speak a common lexicon of risk to the board, to be a risk professional, or to be a technologist? You know, that's the great thing that's shifting today is that we really need in the industry to be able to talk that business side to the board. They don't, if we walk in there and talk about a cross-site scripting and a, you know, we caught 17,000 antiviruses today, the board's tuning us out. That's not information they can use and make decisions upon. We need to walk into the board and talk to them in a way of, here is our risk level. We, if we realize this risk, if something negative were to happen to us, we stand to lose this amount in terms of uh, funds. We, uh, this amount of funds or, or value of intellectual property. Uh, we could be fined the following amount. We could lose our clients. We could uh, see a trickle that goes on for years that could have a material effect on the business. And that's how when we're talking with them, they need to understand the full picture and not just, hey, the cost for a new antivirus is going to be you know, $5,000 or pick a number out of a hat. But instead, we need to talk to them about all the implications of if we spend this funds, what's going to be the realized, what's our risk reduction? And if we don't do it, what is the worst case scenario we might uh, realize from that kind of thing? 
So, David, how should CISOs be planning for the future, knowing, you know, they have all these historical lessons, you know, they have all these examples of what has happened and, you know, and look, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of examples out there for CISOs taking the fall, maybe, you know, uh, and, and not rightfully so, I would say, uh, in the past for breaches that happen and things like that. Um, how should they be planning for the future? Does it really, should they be just focused on making sure that, you know, I was the CISO of an organization and I'm proud that, no, I've never gotten breached and that they know of, right? But I mean, is that what they should be, where they should be setting mark? What's the North Star strategy for, for them? Yeah, you, you know, let's start off with the fact that the CISO is the individual in the seat at the time of a breach, if it were realized. Unfortunately, they are in the hot spot, right? And so, whether or not they say, you know, they had the funding, they didn't have the funding, they were in charge. They were the ones who needed to communicate, make the business case to the board, make the business case to uh, the financial side of the house to get the appropriate funding. So um, I talk about it being the best worst case uh, position you have in an organization, and this is part of it, right? They're in the spot, so they're going to be held accountable. So we have to, as CISOs, really focus on a methodology to put the organization into the best position that we possibly can. And unfortunately, a lot of our CISO training is an incident response. And an incident response, we're reactive. Oh, my God, the following just took place. All hands on deck. Let's start trying to address the scenario that's in front of us right now. But that methodology that we've been trained on doesn't necessarily trickle down into how we have to strategically run the business. That's what we move into when there's an issue. But when we're actually trying to determine where the business is going to move forward, we have to use a, we have to actually plan a lot more for the future. And so what I'd imagine what we've coined is our signature solution, our clear, one clear path. And it's pretty simple at the very top level. And we can talk a little bit more, of course, about the details of it. But at the top level, it says measure where you are. Understand what is the current state of the organization. If you don't understand where you are, it really is difficult to know where you need to go. Well, where do you want to go? Well, that's the second phase of it. Having your appropriate targets defined. Where is it that we're going to take the organization? How far do we need to go? Um, and it's interesting because when a lot of security folks come in and they're trying to define their target state, they don't take the business in mind. They come in with pure security foundation um, and they try to design the best security program under the sun, but that can cripple a lot of organizations. If you're working in a pharmaceutical company, you want to potentially protect the formulas for the drugs that you're creating or the culture of the that's being used um, in the laboratory. So you might need to actually take into account what is important to that organization um, because maybe if they are really protecting just the formula, they don't care if there's guards and gates outside. And if there's a culture, maybe they want more guards and gates and uh, they, they don't care as much about protecting uh, the formula itself, so maybe they don't put in a full detailed, robust DLP solution. Maybe they just go with a smaller solution for that. Um, and then so the third state or the third phase is going to be more implementation and integration. And we can talk a little bit more about what goes into each of those. But at the top level, 
we really want a CISO nowadays to look at where they are, where they want to be, and then start the planning and the implementation to, uh, to get them there. So is this really just an understanding of how to create a roadmap, how to create a strategy, understanding transformation in an organization, understanding how organizational change, especially in information security organizations, is really, really difficult, really difficult. So we have a whole bunch of different skill sets here that you're talking about um, that, you know, I think it, it, it really uh, is difficult to find in one person, Right. I mean, it's difficult to find all these types of skill sets in one person, someone who's technical, who understands risk. You call it the business, right? Understand. And I love mm-hmm. the way you said it. You know, I, lo- I love the tagline, run it like a business. Sometimes we use it a lot um, in organizations, you know, uh, in information security. And then there'll be some uh, information security folks that'll look at me and say, well, this isn't the business. That, I mean, that's the business, right? But they're not, they're not running the organizations like a business. They're running it like a tech shop. And I, you know, I, I, I find that that, that, that that can be, you know, that can be troublesome. You talk about, you know, one clear path a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that. What does a CISO's plan look like with one clear path? It's, <laughs> it, it's kind of fun, right? Um, unfortunately, uh, security professionals coming up from the technical ranks, uh, they don't, like you said, they don't run it like a business. And so they... Um, and they're reactionary. So when we start working on one clear path, we start trying to give CISOs a way to move forward, give them a simple set of things that they can start working on in each one of those different areas. So let's start with our current state. We want them to take, most importantly, an inventory of all their assets. If they don't know what they have, how are they going to secure it? How are they going to even know where their data is? So we start off with inventory, what hardware, what software, what applications, what databases, what data, where's your PII, all that kind of stuff starts in your current state. Step number one. The second thing is going to be more of that risk assessment, making sure that we have the all of the appropriate information from the networks, the architectures, wireless you know, vulnerability management, pen testing, all those things that can go into your assessment reports. Now, those are things that CISOs today are really versed in doing. They're really good at running a lot of risk assessments. Um, It's what they were trained to do. But then the next step becomes really important, moving to quantifying the exposure so that they can understand the risk, the likelihood, the impact in a way that they can communicate that information to the business, right? It, they, it's, it's not good enough anymore just to have a thousand dashboards. They actually needed to take it down and distill it to something that a board level individual could understand. At one point I was called into a CISO's office because he was having trouble with his um, metrics division. And um, he goes, hey Dave, check this out. And he asked his team to load up the metrics for him. And the metrics team was really proud of what they had developed. They clicked the button to turn on the metrics tool. It was web-based and it started loading graphic after graphic. And after about 10 seconds, 15, 20, 30, 30 seconds, this dashboard was still loading. I looked at the team and said, but how long does this thing take to load? And they're like, oh, it takes about three minutes. We went, wow. So three minutes goes by, they got the whole dashboard loaded. And there was so many different graphics in there. It was absolutely amazing, an engineering feat. 
And I looked at them and I said, how long do you want the CISO to spend today reviewing the data that's in your spreadsheets here um, inside, inside your metrics dashboards? And they said, oh, no more than 20 to 30 minutes a day. I went, oh. And I looked over at the CISO, how much time do you want to spend inside this dashboard a day? It was about 30 seconds. So I'm like, so 30 seconds into the loading, you were done and you guys are still expecting him to be here. So we had to explain to them what we needed to do to distill this down to something that was usable. And so that's the kind of information that we can then take up to the board. So that's how we get to current state. Next, we start looking at our target state. At our target state, we actually need to understand how everything gets documented. Now that we have all those risks, they're quantified. We need our plan, security plan, our governance plans, our business requirements, compliance requirements, all those things come together. Because once we have it documented, we start painting a really good picture of where we're trying to go. Then, of course, we have the policies and the controls, all those things that will support the plans, call it the next level down. And then we can turn that into a service catalog, your IT security frameworks. Um, And again, later on, we can talk a little bit more what goes into that service catalog. But basically, it's all the functions that the security organization are going to offer and provide to the business. And that might actually uh, be based down to what they're doing from an industry perspective. We follow through on that into our third stage where we talk about um, implementing and integrating and we talk about having that gap analysis. Now we know where we were, we know where we want to go, we can get that true gap analysis roadmap together, move more into the implementation section of it where we start doing more budgeting, um, planning for it. And then lastly, before we go into the rinse and repeat, um, we're gonna go into the operations area where we start doing more of the education implementations bringing things into operation, and then, of course, educating and taking those metrics back up to make sure all of the senior management, I always like to refer to them as the board, uh, they can understand what the organization is doing, what our risk tolerance is at a moment in time, so they can help guide us forward. So that's a lot to think about. I think, um, you know, when, uh, do you think, do you think today, real quick, before we go to break, we got to go to a, a hard break here. Do you think that most CISOs or understand what the board wants to hear right now? Do you think they're they're actually hitting the mark, or uh, or do the majority of them are still struggling with uh, what to do and how to present to the board and how to reach them and communicate with them effectively? One of the unfortunate things that we have in the security industry is oh, most CISOs were not formally business trained. And so they walk into the boardroom and they think a lot technically and they talk about metrics and they work really hard trying to bring their information down to what they think the board's going to need. But a lot of the times when they go into that board, they ask for things like support. Hey, board, can the security organization count on your support? And the board's happy to say, sure, you've got my support. And the CISO is so excited and he walks out, he or she walks out of the boardroom and says, I got the board support. This was successful. Then they walk over to the CFO's office five minutes later and say, hey, I need funding uh, to install this new widget that just came out. And they say, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have budget for you for that. 
go, but I got the board support. Well, yes, you got the board support, but it doesn't mean you have funding. And so unfortunately, a lot of CISOs are scared or challenged when they actually need to start talking the numbers, telling the board exactly what they need to build a successful program that is appropriately sized um, down to what the board's risk level is. So as, as we maybe move into the next segment, we can talk a little bit more about this, but it's gotta be about managing funding based upon the board's risk. The security team, we're the implementers of the board's vision. As a security professional, I'd love to take risk down to zero, but when I take risk down to zero, zero, I'm taking basically the O-N-O-F-F switch and putting it into the off position because now I've got zero risk, but uh, the business just stopped operating. So it's got to be the future for the CISO has got to be looking at the board, asking for their risk tolerance, and then implementing a vision that meets their needs with the funding that is appropriate to achieve their risk tolerance. All right, folks, we got to transition into commercial break, but stick with us. Lots more to come here in this episode of Task Force 7 Radio. So, hey, if you're a social media junkie, don't forget to follow TF7 Radio on your favorite social media platform. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and even Instagram by searching at TF7 Radio, and you'll be immediately connected to the extended TF7 family. For any inquiries regarding sponsoring the show or suggestions for topics or guests, please email me directly at george.redis at tf7radio.com. That's george.redis at tf7, that's with the number 7radio.com. We're going to pause with some quick messages from our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with our special guest, the CEO of Imagine Security, Mr. David Sokol. So whatever you do, don't go away. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Business email compromise is the largest cybersecurity threat, making up 44% of all cybercrime losses. BEC attacks are targeted, socially engineered, text-based emails that appear to come from someone you know. Because they don't have attachments, links, or traditional indicators of compromise, they slip through email security defenses. In order to stop them, you need a solution that understands the good in order to stop the bad. Abnormal Security uses a unique behavioral data science and API-based approach to baseline good behavior and identify bad behavior. Because we understand the normal to stop the abnormal, we stop BEC account takeovers and more. You can use Abnormal with Office 365 or Google to protect your employees and organization from attacks that can cause financial and reputational damage. It's time for a new solution to email security. Experience the abnormal. Learn more now at abnormalsecurity.com slash TF7. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 Hacker Innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. 
with forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Synet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community, advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem superconnector, Synet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Synet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at Secure security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. In business, staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Redis. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Redis. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, the CEO of Imagine Security, Mr. David Sokol. So in the first segment, David, we're talking about CISOs and we're talking about plans and their approach to board presentations and how they communicate and some of the skills that they need. And I want to get a little bit into, you know, how they manage budgets. And, you know, if, if uh, you know, because it's a big deal if you have, <laughs> if, you're in a, if you're in a really challenging information security environment and you don't have a very big budget, things can get really difficult in your business management skills will really be on showcase uh, at that time to see if you're successful, right? So CFOs and, and boards often give, you know, CISOs a budget. Some places they give them an unlimited check, you know, an open check, a, a blank check. And then some places, uh, you know, the budget's real tight. And these days, I think the budget's getting tighter uh, as, as time goes on. Not every CISO has a blank check. So can a CISO be effective when they're managing to these budgets? I'm always amazed when I get a phone call from uh, a CISO out there and they tell me, 
hey, I'm looking for a penetration test. I'm like, great, fantastic. Let's, let's get you a, a quote for a penetration test. And then I find out that they don't even have the, they, they're all cost conscious. How much is that pen test going to cost? And let's say it's all $10,000. And then you give them the results of the penetration test and they go, well, I guess I'm going to put in for the budget to fix these things next year. And you're going, you're going to leave these critical vulnerabilities open until next year? Well, yeah, I have to put them for the budget. And I'm just like, oh my God, are we going to actually leave the organization vulnerable for an extended period of time because you weren't given a budget? Maybe it's time to go ask them for some budget right now. Um, you know, we know there's an actual vulnerability in your environment. And if you don't address it, well, you could be liable for fines. You have knowledge, you're educated on what the issues are within the business. If you don't take some action, we're, we're in the wrong if we're not actually trying to take those things. Um, I, it reminds me of a, of a statement that I've heard over the years. Wars are not won with, without a plan to win them, right? They are, you know, wars are won with that plan. There's, they're not won on like predetermined budgets, when if I and and no kidding aside, we're at war in this in the cybersecurity industry. The enemy is out there and they're coming for us. We always we say nowadays that it's it's a matter of when, not if, they're gonna be coming for us. Right. That's right. So I like to work with the boards um, to measure their risk tolerance, like I mentioned a little bit earlier. When they come to me and they say, hey, I'm in charge, we're putting you into that position, you're the CISO here, what should we do? I basically turn it back on them. I'm going to measure the organization on seven different areas, call it governance, risk management, arc, the architecture and design, the authentication authorization, the threat management, the data protection, the business continuity, disaster recovery, and legal regulatory compliance. And I take those seven areas and I basically give them a scoring of where we are from a maturity perspective. Um, uh, and then I basically turn to them and say, look, this one's in the very high risk. This one's in the medium risk. This one's low risk. And say, hey, board, is that okay? Do you accept this level of risk? If you accept it exactly as it is, I need minimal new budget to keep moving forward. I just got to maintain. But if you want me to lower these things down, it's going to cost money, right? I'm going to need to actually hire people, put people, process technology in place, that kind of thing. So then the board almost always says to me, I want everything in the low risk. Okay, great. Here's how much it's going to cost you to get and how long it's going to take me to get you there. Here's how much it'll cost if you want me there in one year, two years, three years. Um, and then all of a sudden the board's going, maybe medium risk is okay, right? But it's their vision, we are we as security professionals need to help realize the board's risk tolerance and their vision. Because like I said earlier, I could easily put things into the OFF position, turn the systems off, and risk goes away. But then the business stops, nobody's making any money anymore. One final thought on that is that I call it the uh, moving into the PhD of the CISO role. If we are doing things right, we need to start to move security from a cost center to a profit center. If we can measure the successes that we brought to the business, if we can show them that because the security team enabled the business to make another $5 million, pick a number, 
then maybe we can just turn to the board and say, by the way, we made you $5 million. We'd like a 5%, 10% of that to come back to an increase in our budget. So as we start moving into the next gen, and again, why I like security people to in, in the top roles to be business trained, because then all of a sudden they're going to understand how the board is thinking. And imagine the difference if we walk into the board and say, I just made you an extra of $10 million. By the way, I'm going to need $500,000 increase to keep going. And by the way, I'll do this again for you next quarter as well. I'll bring in another $10 million. By the way, I'm going to need another $500,000 to do that. But all of a sudden, we become a profit center instead of a cost center. And imagine the different world the CISO would live if he was in a cost center world rather than uh, or in or versus a profit center world. Oh, it would be huge. And how often in your experience do you see boards change their risk appetite when it comes to information security? On the same topic, even. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> I, I was in a board meeting one day when the CISO turned, uh, was at odds with the IT team. The IT team, well, you know, they weren't giving the CISO money. They were always complaining about the hindrance that the security team was bringing to them. And the CISO did an amazing thing. He turned, without giving prior notice, he turned to the IT CIO and said, I would like you to present my slides for me to the board. And the CIO said, sure. And he comes up there. And next thing you know, the same individual that five minutes earlier was saying, I'm not funding you, I'm not, we, we aren't going to be doing this, was presenting to the board the CISO's vision. And all of a sudden, he was talking about what he's going to do and how his organization was going to be supporting the security team and how they're going to move forward. And he got buy-in by just becoming a team, by pulling the IT organization into the securities practice um, just by having them present. Um, Overnight, there was a huge difference in just the collaboration between the two teams, because it was no longer just the CISO's vision, now it was IT's vision as well. Now, it was interesting because after this meeting, the CIO uh, actually called me up and he invited me into his office and he sat down with me and said, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I know security is important. I'm not security trained. Uh, I'd like to understand a little bit more. And he goes, when is it going to stop? Every time I see the CISO walk into my office, he asks me for money. He goes, today was my final straw. I saw him walking down the hall and I turned and walked the other way. He goes, I don't want to have an adversarial uh, relationship with my CISO, but I was worried he was going to ask me for money and it's not in the budget right now. He goes, what's going on? Every time he says he fixes something, he has something else to do. And I said, ah, you've got a managed from the top 10 list style of CISO right now. He's always got a top 10 list for you. And if he closes something out, he puts it in his checkbox, moves it into just more of an operational state, and he adds something new to the list. And he comes back to you and says, I need budget for that again. Said it's never going to stop essentially in this model. And so I explained to him that in my world, I like to look at uh, cybersecurity as seven categories of items, totaling 64 different items. 
He goes, 64 items? I said, yep, 64 things that we might want to do uh, in the security practice from a security, I'll call it catalog perspective. And I showed it to him in, in graphical form. He goes, why hasn't the CISO showed me this? I said, it's an unfortunate thing, but this is something we, ha- we as, an in- as an industry needed to create because there isn't a standard out there. So every CISO needs to create their own vision. There isn't something out there that says, here are the security service catalog items that thou shalt be providing to your organization. And if you say there's 64 of them, well, that can bankrupt a small organization. So we need to pick and choose which ones are appropriate and move it up and down at the appropriate time. All of a sudden, that CIO turned to me and he goes, I think I get it. He goes, I don't necessarily like it because it sounds like the money requests are never going to stop but at least he understood it. And then we talked about how you can use a risk analysis to then pick and choose where you're gonna go and how far you're gonna go on each one of them. Because not everything in an organization needs to be a maturity level on a scale of one to five needs to be a five, right? We can say, this is good enough here being ad hoc. This one over here, we want a formal process. Over here, we need to automate and, and measure. And then we can actually Uh, come together in a way that all of us at the boards, in the IT teams, in the cyber teams, we can all understand and talk that common language. So, you know, it's interesting. You're talking about, in some sense, priorities. Priorities is what you do with the money. You know, you have the top 10 list. You you check one of those those boxes off and then something just replaces the, the, the item that was on the top 10 list and you have 10 again and you're asking for more money. How do you, once you get the budget, how do you prioritize all these information security uh, needs that that go across the organization? I mean, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, So if you kind of a little bit go back to the one clear path, and this, of course, is being one of the elements within the clear path, we call it the security program overview. Um, We create that security programs overview so we can see on a single piece of paper where we are in a current state. We can see on a single piece of paper where we want to go, the future state. And then we can create on a single, another piece of paper, sorry, we're up to you know three pages there. Um, we're up to three pages there, but um, we basically can see exactly where all the gaps are and where we need to go. Um, and that way we can then start prioritizing and not everything needs to be cleaned up and fixed kind of going forward. We need to pick and choose those items one at a time, look at them, evaluate them, come up with a plan so that we know exactly how we're going to get from where we are to where we need to go. And then we can move into that third phase of our uh, one clear path, which is the implementation and the integration. So I see a lot of CISOs come in and want to create uh, goals and objectives right around, uh, uh, you know, the beginning of the year uh, from, you know, for the next uh, fiscal year, they get their budget and they want to say, okay, here's what we want to accomplish. Um, what does a security goal look like for a CISO? Like what, what should it look like? Let's say, let's put it that way. So if we kind of go back to the idea of 64 items in a security catalog, um, what you would find when you look at the world from a catalog perspective is not all items are going to directly correlate back to like a compliance regulation. It's going to be much bigger and broader than that. We're going to have in our governance risk management program, executive sponsorship, strategic planning, having a security charter, having our policies, all those kind of things 
uh, that are going to go into those things. And each one of them is made up of, of course, you know, people, processes, and technology um, at various levels. But if we look at taking an executive sponsorship, if we aren't actually spending time educating our boards, educating the IT teams so that we all can become a unified team in this war, um, we're never going to really achieve our goals. So I think of it as kind of like having a blueprint. Imagine if you're going to be going to build a home for a moment. First, you got to look at the land. You got to see, are you flat or are you sloped? Um, do you have a lot of land? Do you have a little land? Do you want to build a one-story home, a two-story, three-story? Are you going to have, uh, uh, you know, is it flat so we can just start building? But we're going to want to make sure we build, you know, the foundation first. Then we're going to want to build the walls. Then we're going to want to put a roof on it. Then we're going to decide what types of locks and doors and things that are going to go into it. No, well, I haven't heard of too many people out there who are successful at building homes without having a, you know, a plan out there, right? So, so the same thing needs to happen here. We need to actually put together a plan that has a, you know, the architectural designs of the entire security program that governance risk management, your plans for architecture, your plans for how you're doing authentication and risk management and so on. And that way we can actually start implementing a, a program that has a direction and an end goal in mind. The clearer you can make that goal, the more articulate you can get it, whether it be words, a graphical picture, or in my world, I like to use those, you know, a single piece of paper of what the entire security program to look like current, future, and, and in, in moving towards our goal line, it makes a huge difference when you can put that in front of everyone and everyone uses, uh, and I'm trying to use words that everyone up to the board can understand, everybody looks at it and says, I get it. Again, we're avoiding those terms like the cross-site scripting that the board's glazing over on. I want something simple, cloud security, wireless security, database security, application vulnerability management, words that can be understood by anybody, whether they're security trained or not. Dave, we've got to take another short break to hear from our sponsors, but don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with our special guest, the CEO of Imagine Security, Mr. David Sokol. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. As CISOs manage known malware attacks, they also contend with the unknown unknowns. With 24-7 Hacker Innovation, where do CISOs place their next security investment bet? Find the answer with Signet. With forums and public and private partnership dinners in Toronto, London, Singapore, Tokyo, and across the U.S., Signet is a mission-focused, purpose-driven global community advancing the next generation of cybersecurity solutions. As an entrepreneurial ecosystem super connector, Signet brings innovators, top cybersecurity professionals, solution providers, investors, and government executives into a collaborative alliance. Join Signet's global community to empower your organization and the industry to defeat hackers with cybersecurity's next generation of innovation. Learn more at security-innovation.org or Google Sinet, S-I-N-E-T. In today's interconnected world, digital transformation is taking us on a journey towards exciting new ways to work, live, and communicate. 
in business. Staying out in front of the competition means pushing the boundaries of the status quo and exploring the possibilities of the future. However, pushing forward into this fast-changing digital landscape brings a new level of uncertainty and risk that must be measured, understood, and managed. By delivering state-of-the-art cyber risk analytics, X-Analytics is setting the standard to bring business clarity to the complex cyber threats organizations face each and every day. When it comes to understanding your financial exposure to cyber risk, trust what the global cyber insurance industry and Fortune 500 companies trust. Trust X-Analytics to guide you through the uncertainty into cyber risk clarity. For more information about X-Analytics, visit our website today at x-analytics.com. That's x-analytics.com. X-Analytics, setting the standard in the enterprise cyber risk management. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio with George Ritas. If you'd like to find out more about our program, please visit the website at taskforce7radio.com. Again, that's taskforce7 with the number 7, radio.com. Now, back to this week's show. Here again is your host, George Ritas. Welcome back to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. We're back with our special guest, the CEO of Imagine Security, Mr. David Sokol. So, David, you know, uh, we were talking a little bit about uh, budgets and prioritizations and goal setting. And, you know, the resource issue is just a really big problem. And I, I would be remiss if I let you go through the whole, uh, the whole episode without talking about the resource issue. I mean, most CISOs organizations are really challenged with finding and keeping talent, especially when they have to adhere to a geolocation policy that the firm has in place. Uh, finding talent in a specific location can be much more challenging than just finding talent, which is challenging to begin with. But what advice would you give uh, CISOs who are facing uh, this huge obstacle to success? I was on a call yesterday and the customer turned to me and they said, hey, I need some help. I said, great. What do you need help with? And he goes, security. I said, oh, 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 okay, thanks. You called the right guy. I hope I can help. And I said, what, what elements of security do you really need help with? And he goes, all of it. I went, oh, oh, okay. Is there something specific I can do for you right now to kind of um, help you out? He goes, well, I need someone who can take a look at our Windows devices, our Linux devices, manage our vulnerabilities, um, I need them to be able to remediate everything. By the way, um, I really would need to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And he kind of gives me this little pitch like this. And he kept going and going. He talked for about 10 to 15 minutes. And at the end of the 10 to 15 minutes, I went, so you're looking for Superman, right? He wears a cape. He has a big S on his shirt. He's going to fly around. And he's like, do, do you mean this is unrealistic? <laughs> And I'm like, um, yeah, it might be just a little bit unrealistic to find that gentleman. And I turned and said, well, what are you looking to pay for this guy when you do find him? 
And he goes, um, well, uh, I, I haven't got a budget yet. I'm like, oh, great. Well, there, that's going to be an interesting one. Um, he goes, um, how, what's the going rate for security people? 20 30 $40 an hour? I need to be able to do some budgeting. And I'm going, uh-oh, right? You're looking for Superman and you don't have any funding. Okay, um, we'll, we'll see where we can go. And he added one more thing. And by the way, I need him to be in San Francisco. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we need Superman at you know twenty thirty dollars an hour, oh, and he has to live in one of the most expensive cities in the United States. Uh, okay, we've got a real challenge here, don't we? All right. So um, I basically started talking him back down to understand. I said, "What is core? If we go back to what is it that you need to achieve first? What do we need to do?" And again, if we come up with that path, right, that one clear path, we're going to say. These are the four, five, six, ten things, whatever it is that we need to focus on right now. Let's see if we can find you some talent with these specific items in mind. So we're not looking for Superman anymore. Maybe we're going to bring in someone just to help uh, run your vulnerability scanner tool and uh, help you with some of the remediation. Let's keep it simple. Now, once we know what is important for you to find because it's core to your business. You can't run your business without you know, a vulnerability management program or something of that nature. That's what we'll focus on. Now we can start achieving in bite-sized pieces. And if it isn't core to your business, if you're basically um, just, it would be a nice to have, maybe it's time to look at outsourcing for those functions. If you're a small company, it does not make sense to run a 24 by 7 monitoring organization with 10, 12, 14, 15 people in it. Hey, it's a heck of a lot cheaper for about the cost of maybe an individual to just outsource it to a third party. A tenth of the price, right? So um, it, I think my first set of advice to to organizations would be, Make sure you know exactly where you're going to, focus on your core, focus on the elements that you need to shore up right now and outsource the things that are not key to you or things that would take years to come up to speed on. Um, and that way you can, you can uh, uh, find the right individuals, plan for those price, the, the cost of those individuals. And also uh, one of the comments you made about the location be more open to having a remote workforce in your security team. If I need help secure up a server, do I need to be physically at the server or can I be logged into it and checking its configuration from a remote location? The world's moved to, to more of a remote uh, type of scenario. Um, and hey, as long as they're close to an airport and I can bring them in for an emergency for a need, that helps satisfy um, most of our needs, it, it helps us even in imagine security itself, um, our teams all around the United States, and that way we can support organizations wherever they are. But if there's a corporate need, we bring them in for it. So how do you, how do you attract and retain talent at your own organization? What do you do at Imagine Security? So just like, you know, that conversation I was in yesterday where the individual is saying, oh, I've got, you know, $20, $30 kind of thing. It can't all be about the money. Um, there are certain organizations out there right now that are just throwing money at a problem. And then so they might pay a really, really high salary, but they work the individual, you know, 80 hours a week. They're just working uh, nonstop and they burn those individuals out. 
And then all of a sudden I get the phone call says, I can't do this anymore. This is just too much. I actually had a one, uh, an employee come to me one day when he called, he called me up and he basically said, Hey, I'm sitting in an airport. And he was at one of my clients at, at, at the time. I'm sitting in an airport. I'm like, okay. He goes, my a fa- family member just passed away. I said, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. And he goes, yeah, but that's not the worst part of it. I'm flying to basically be with my family after this tragic situation. And I just got a call from my boss that says I'm being redirected to go do an emergency penetration test. And, that, and when I told him I'm, I'm out on bereavement, he said, well, can you go be, um, can you mourn afterwards? And he goes, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And he actually went off and believe it or not, he actually went and did the penetration test uh, instead of being with his family for a few moments. And as soon as he got back, he said, I need a job. I need work-life balance. And so that's what we started really trying to embody here. We said, we need to put the person's needs um, up there with the business needs. So we make sure that folks take the appropriate time off. We basically go to them and say, you haven't taken your vacation. When are you taking your vacation? Um, hey guys, um, you've been working quite a bit. You need to take an extra day off. Why don't you take uh, Friday off and we'll cover for you. So we've created a true family style of uh, organization where we care about each other and we literally are looking out for everybody's mental health as well, helping make sure that they're all taking everybody into account. And you know, don't get me wrong, they got to be paid well, but they're paid well, but they get work-life balance. They get to do the things they want to do. Um, they, can, they can accelerate their careers. They can move on up. All the positions are open for the taking. Just come in there, take the role, and we'll help, uh, help them grow into those, those, those spots that they want to be in. You know, these days with the, uh, you know, budget sort of shrinking in some places, there's a lot of talk about outsourcing and the benefits of outsourcing some information security services. Are there any types of specific information security services that you recommend CISOs look to outsource? Yeah, you, you know, first off, if you come back down to understanding what your needs are, if you're in the United States and you need a penetration test that's going to be used in the EU um, for, let's say, a SaaS provider or something like that, you need a Crest certified penetration test company. You're not going to have, typically, uh, most organizations aren't going to want to become Crest certified just so they can do their own internal penetration test right? If there are regulatory requirements for a third party, right there, you know, a third party penetration test, that's something you immediately know you got to outsource, right? But if there's specific requirements as well on it, like Crest certification, Imagine's Crest certified, um, you're going to want to outsource those types of functions. I also mentioned a, a little bit ago, look, if you're a small organization and you need to have 24 by seven monitoring, well, it, it makes perfect sense to send the managed services, the monitoring, the response um, type of function out to that third party as well. So things like penetration testing, red team, um, monitoring, compliance efforts is another interesting one. Um, I was on a call recently with a CIO who basically says they don't have a CISO, right? They're they're a small, lean organization, um, and they don't even have a CISO. And so he says, every time there's another compliance requirement ahead of him, he needs to learn everything there is. And he's not 
in his case, he's not a security guy or compliance person. So he has to sit down, read the regulation, try to interpret it. And he says, for what might take a security compliance person, you know, a couple hours to do, it's taking him weeks. Why? Why not bring in the expert and, you know, have them on retainer, have them on staff for the two four hours that you need over there, a week, two weeks, whatever, versus we did the math for him. They were spending, I think it was 2,600 hours for what we figured could be done in about 500 hours by a a security professional. We actually measured it for him. We came back and did the math. And it was amazing to him when he realized that they get almost a, a, a year and a half of you know, person effort back to to run the organization by just outsourcing a virtual CISO in this case at about a quarter time. So it was a huge, huge time savings. And in the end, it's going to become a huge cost savings by just sending those kind of things uh, out for outsourcing. Hey, hey, well, it's great to have you on the show, Dave. I, I you know, I was, I, I was thinking about maybe putting together a panel and, and some of the folks that um, you know, you could come on and, and, and talk with, uh, you know, about some of these issues, because I think this is, this is where the rubber meets the road, I think, especially today, uh, making sure that CISOs are effective uh, in their organizations and making sure uh, that, uh, you know, they're doing the right things with the dollars that they have. And there's a lot of different challenges. There's a lot of different skill sets that are needed. And I don't think every CISO has those skill sets. I'm thinking right now that, you know, the, the deputy CISO position is becoming a very big spot. Um, because now it's it it it, it fills in some uh, skill sets that the CISO doesn't have, right? So uh, those are the types of things um, that uh, you know I, that at least spurred my you know uh, the conversation. I think and spurred my thought when I when we were talking. I really appreciate you coming on. I can't wait to have you back, man. Thanks for coming. It'd be my pleasure to be back anytime. Happy to uh, attend any of those sessions that you would like. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Hey, appreciate it. Thanks. All right, folks, it's time to go. But before we do, I want to remind our listeners to visit the Cybersecurity Hub to read a recap of tonight's show and get other up-to-date cybersecurity breaking news at www.cshub.com. That's the Cybersecurity Hub at cshub.com. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Task Force 7 Radio, the voice of cybersecurity. Stay frosty out there. Thank you for tuning in this week to Task Force 7 Radio. To learn more about Task Force 7 Radio, please visit our website at taskforce7radio.com. Be sure to join your host, George Reedus, again next Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.